Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. This is episode 86. I am your host, Joey Coastman. We are without Ayaz Sumra. He's not with us this week, but we've been joined by a special guest, a man that has come on before to replace Ayaz Sumra, a very good and fitting replacement, Mr. Eddie Chambers. Eddie, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on and filling Ayaz's shoes once again. Oh, not a problem, my man. You know, I do anything for for you and the family, so, you know what I mean? Just let me know... Uh... When you need me, and uh, I'm available. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Right, so starting with part one, we're going to start with the reviewing. So we're going to start with a card that happened last Friday in Australia. The return of Lucas Brown. Lucas Brown obviously had been out the ring for over a year. He came back, you know, his record was still 24-0. and He moved to 25-0. and He took on a man by the name of Matthew Greer. Matthew Greer is a guy that... He's got a record of 16 and 20. He's been in there with the likes of Deontay Wilder, with the likes of Huey Fury and a few other guys. Um, Lucas Brown got rid of him in round two. If I'm not mistaken, that's the same round that Deontay Wilder and Huey Fury stopped him in as well. So a decent little win there for Lucas Brown. I was able to actually watch the fight. He, uh, I don't want to say he looked too rusty. The guy didn't really come offering much. So, uh, you know, he knocked him down in the first round. He got through that round, Matthew Greer, and came out in the second round and got stopped. So a decent win there for Lucas Brown. We will be speaking to him later, hopefully. So it's good to have Lucas Brown back in the picture. Moving over now to France. One fight to mention on this bill. Um, it was the pro debut from the 2016 Olympic super heavyweight gold medalist, Tony Yoka. He moved to 1-0 with a TKO in the second round. He actually knocked out an American guy by the I think he was American. I know that he was definitely based in America. A guy by the name of Travis Clark. Um, Eddie, do you know who that guy is at all? He was 12-0 until he, until he met Tony Yoka. Do you know Travis Clark? Is that a name that rings a bell at all? It sounds familiar, but I'm not. 100%. Like, you know, I'm not sure. I haven't really yeah. paid that much attention to that, you know, stuff. You know, guys that come around that early, with the exception of some of the Olympians, maybe. But, nah, can't say 100% that he rings a bell. No, no worries. But no, he had a record of 12-0, and 0, so it's a good it's a good starting fight there for a man that's making his debut, so we like to see that type of stuff. That one was from the Palais Desport. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce the rest of it, it's too hard, but yeah, somewhere in Paris, France, all the very best to Tony Yoka. Moving over now to the Brentwood Centre in Brentwood, Essex, United Kingdom, a fight card that I was actually at last Friday. Um, there was a couple of fights on the undercard that I want to talk about. I'm going to start with a man by the name of Charlie Driscoll. He's a young prospect. Uh, he moved to 5-0 and with a points win over four rounds. His opponent, though, had a record of five wins, 119 losses, and four draws. I suppose he's still, you know, he's still learning the game. Um, we'll forgive him for that. But also moving up the undercard, uh, Harley Ben got out again. That's the son of Nigel Ben. He doesn't want anything to do with his dad or his half brother Connor Ben. But I tell you what, he did okay. The first time I saw him fight, he looked very nervous. The second time, he actually said that he felt even more nervous. It didn't look that way. Um, he had his man down in the second round. It was a real heavy shot. You know, he likes to really load up on his shots, Harley Ben. But um, no, he, you know. He, he seemed a little bit eager, just like in his first fight. His defense wasn't the greatest, but he is a work in progress. He's a man who, you know, didn't really have any amateur pedigree, just had a couple of white-collar fights and then decided to, you know, make the make the jump and become a professional. He was gassing by the end of the fourth round, which was where the fight concluded, and he picked up a uh, unanimous, well, not unanimous, it was a points win. The referee scored the fight. It was a points win over four rounds there for Harley Ben. All the very best to him. A man also on the bill, Naylor Ball. Uh, he's a prospect. He was 2-0 and going into this fight against a guy who was 0-2. and um, I believe Naylor Ball actually did some sparring with Tyson Fury, if I'm not mistaken, Eddie. Uh, you might be able to shed some light on that. But basically, this guy, Naylor Ball, 
Uh, he was down in the first round, which was, you know, it was quite worrying, to be honest, because, as I said, the guy he fought didn't even have a win on his record. He had just two losses. He had Naylor Ball down in the first round, a very heavy knockdown. The second round was quite close as well, but I think the guy, uh, the journeyman, the guy who was coming over here, he, he you know, he kind of gassed after two rounds. He had, he, he was in terrible shape, but Naylor Ball ended up, um, winning the fight because the other guy actually had a point deducted in the fourth round for continuous holding and that kind of swung the fight in Naylor Ball's favour so there was no real arguments at the end of four rounds he definitely was the rightful winner um, also on that bill Charlie Duffield he was returning to the ring after being uh, you know being beaten in in a shock loss at York Hall last time out he returned with a bang actually I think he's linked up now with the Tibbs as well Jimmy Tibbs and the rest. So he moves to three and one. He picked up a TKO in round one. Really impressive looking there. Louis Petit was also on the bill. He picked up a win. That's his 20th win now. He's got the two losses as well. That's a six round points win for him. Boy Jones Jr. was also on the bill. He moved to 13 wins inside 15 fights. His opponent was down four times in the first round. I tell you what, Eddie, I was actually at this card, as I said, and Ramsey and Asgi were working the corner for this guy. His name was Andis Didzus. I think he's actually from, um, you know, from Derby, from, from their from their area. Um, for those that may not know, Ramsey and Asgi are part of the Team Fury camp. They've done a lot of corners for, for all the Furies over the years. So yeah, I actually saw him there, Eddie. I said, um, you know, it was obviously good to see him again, but they were they were with this guy and he was down four times in the first round. So uh yeah, not, not uh, oh they they were they were with the uh the guy that won or the guy that was down no, four times. The guy that was down four times, yeah. Oh goodness. Oh yeah, okay. Well I mean listen, you know, there's all kinds of different things. You we dealing with people sometimes that you know may not be the best of fighters, but you know, you never know. I mean in a situation, you know, there's there's guys like um that I've, you know, talked to like my manager have dealt with in the past. Um, that was, I think, had a 500 record and actually fought for the world title by the name of Steve Little. So, I mean, you know, you can start off in a bad way and then all of a sudden start to get a real feel and then come back and become something something special. Well, we wish him the very best of luck. His record's now 3-5. and five. Boy Jones Jr., as I said, proceeds to 13 wins. He looked pretty good, to be honest, but... He just seemed very overmatched. The uh, the journeyman in well, not the journeyman. He's he's three and four, so we'll give him a bit of respect there. But no, good win there for Boyd Jones Jr. Uh, he looked good bouncing back from his loss. Also on the bill, Lee Markham against Joe Mullander. This was a rematch. The first fight was a bit of a war. Lee Markham. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't know, he, he started very slow for me. Um, it was the final fight of the actual card. I'm not sure how it looked on television, but being there in attendance, he just seemed to... I don't know what it was. Maybe Lee Markham has been in a few too many wars, but he just didn't seem himself. And Joe Mullander actually avenges that loss now. So his record 10-2, and two, and it was a split decision win there for Joe Mullander. I actually thought he won pretty clearly. When they read out it was a split decision, I thought, oh God, what we're going to see here. But um, Joe Mullander now picks up the English middleweight title, and Lee Markham's now 17 and 4 with one draw. And top of the bill on this card, Bradley Skeet picked up another defense of his British welterweight title. He's now 26 and 1. His opponent, Shane Singleton, 23 and 2 with one draw. Singleton was down late in the third round and also in the fourth round, and it was called a halt in. In the fifth round, a TKO victory there for Bradley Skeet. I will say, Bradley Skeet started very slow for me. Uh, I've told him this as well. He, he he just started the fight. He was looking to counter too much. He wasn't letting his hands go. He was waiting for the other man to come in. He was inviting pressure. Every time he was letting his hands go, letting a little, you know, a little flashy combination go, it was effective. It was hurting Singleton. And he put him out properly. He looked very, very good when he when he let his hands go. As I said, he wasn't really jabbing too much, but when he let those hands go. The knockdowns were very brutal. We saw a little bit of spite there from Bradley Skeet, which some people say he lacks. So it was very good to see that from him. As I said, he's now got two defences of that British title, one more defence, and he says himself he's ready for the world stage. All the very best to him. Um, going over now to Philadelphia, there was a fight there at the 2300 Arena, of, uh, an arena that's probably in close proximity to your to your residence, Eddie Chambers. Um Top of the bill over there, Hank Lundy. He picked up his 28th win. Uh, he's also got six losses and one draw. His opponent, Daniel 
Avengelista Jr. Uh, had a record of 20-7, and seven, now 20-8 and eight with two draws. We actually had Hank Lundy on last week's show. Um, I didn't happen to see this fight at all, but um, do you know... Do you know Hank Lundy personally, Eddie? At all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know him well. Yeah, we actually shared. Uh, well, my trainer, you know, Coach Ant works with him as well at times. So, you know, and he's actually been, you know, on, on uh, in camp with him in different fights and stuff like that too. So, um, yeah, we we know each other really well. I've been knowing him for years too. I mean, we've been around the same circles. So, but he's a funny guy, good guy, uh, very very intense. You know what I mean? With training and everything and just in general, puts everything into his uh, his training and all. And, and, and all, as you can see, anytime he fights, it's always fireworks. So I can imagine. I have friends that actually went to the fight and they said it was a it was a really good showing by him. Oh, I'm very pleased to hear that. He's he's a good guy. He's uh he's a little bit crazy, but he's a good guy. We do like Hank Lundy a lot. Uh, moving over oh, now yeah. to the <laughs> Moving over now to the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. One or two fights to mention on this bill. We're going to start with the undercard. Alida Alvarez, 22-0 going into this fight. He's obviously known as a prospect. Going into this fight against Jean Pascal, former world champion. Jean Pascal, 31-4 with one draw going into this fight. It was for the WBC Silver Light Heavyweight title, which Alida Alvarez holds that title. He's the champion going into that fight. It ended up being a majority decision win for Alida Alvarez. From what I hear, he um, I think he started a little bit slow, and I think Pascal kind of won some of those late rounds. He was a little bit crafty to claw back a few rounds there, and it made it pretty close. But um, from what I hear, I think the majority decision was a bit too close for many people's liking. I think that Alvarez was supposed to have been the clear winner. And moving up to the main event on this bill... Um, Adonis Stevenson, another defense of his WBC World Light Heavyweight title against Andre Fonfaro. It was a rematch. The first fight wasn't all that close. It was one of those fights where we really did not need to see a rematch, but it did happen. And um, ultimately, Adonis Stevenson picked up the TKO in round two. So on paper, it looks like a good win there. Um, firstly, Fonfaro came out in the first round and was knocked down heavily. Um, and Adonis Stevenson, you know, he, he kind of... I don't really think he went for it to try and get the knockout. I think he kind of sat back a little bit. And Fonfara got through the round. And when he came out in round two, Fonfara just looked drunk. And Adonis Stevenson was just really able to hit him at will. And the referee just, you know, he wasn't really taking much punishment. He was taking some big shots, but they weren't like a combination of landed shots. It was like single shots were just you know, knocking his head back and he was just on the back foot and the referee just stopped it. So it wasn't like he took a real shellacking and the referee stopped it, but he was just being hit every single time um, Adonis Stevenson threw a punch. So I don't know. He he didn't look like he had his wits about him. So um, maybe a little bit premature, but maybe a little bit, you know, a little bit good because he was taking a bit of a hide in there. So Adonis Stevenson gets another win against the guy who we really don't want to see him in the ring with. Hopefully we see him in there with somebody of note pretty soon. He's now 29 and 1. And Andre Fonfara, 29 and 5 now. Moving over now to Russia at the Sports Palace. There was a rematch again. This one was a rematch that we did want to see. It was Dmitry Kudryashov. He's got a record of 20 and 1. Uh, Eddie, he's got a record of 20 and 1, all 20 wins by knockout, and the one loss by knockout as well. So every fight he's been in has ended in a knockout. He was actually rematching the guy that knocked him out, so it was interesting because we we thought there would probably be another knockout here. His opponent his opponent goes by the name of Duradola. That's his uh, that's his last name. It was for the WBC Silver Cruiserweight title, and Duradola was knocked out in the fifth round via TKO. So Kudryashov. You know, he, he, he writes the wrong, he avenges the loss, and he gets another knockout. So, still, every single fight he's wow. been in uh, ended in a knockout. Have you got any... Do you know much about those guys? Obviously, you know, you're looking to return at Cruiserweight. Do you know much about those guys from Eastern Europe or not? No, I mean, I know, you know, a, a couple. And some of them, I don't even know my name. I just know I've seen them a few times. And, you know, I plan on really taking it... I really, yeah, I plan on really taking it, uh, when I say slow, it's the relative term to... Uh, you know, maybe a few fights here and there. You know what I mean on the on the low on the low scale to, you know, get back into the tune and understand what the, the cruiserweight division has to offer as far as uh, pace and skill and everything. Then I'll shoot up for those kind of guys in in, in the near future. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of interesting fights available. So 
you know, I'm definitely going to pay more attention. Yeah, absolutely. And moving over now to Thailand, it was a fight that I wasn't really going to mention because I'm definitely not going to sit here and pretend I'm any kind of expert down at minimum weight. But I will say this: this was um, uh, this this caught my attention. There's a guy at minimum weight by the name of Chayapon Munsri who actually has a record of 46 and 0. He's the WBC World Minimum Weight Champion. Uh, he extended his winning record to 47 and 0, so he's ever closing on that, um, you know, drawing with Mayweather's record or perhaps even surpassing that. So, all the very best to that guy. And also on the undercard, believe this, Eddie, there's a guy on the undercard here who fought last weekend by the name of Tassana Sampatan, who has a record of 40 and 0. He fought a guy who was making his debut. <laughs> so, I'm not sure what that one was all about. Um, <laughs> a bit of bad matchmaking there from, from the other guy's side. He was actually down um, twice in round four, and he was knocked out in that round. So, yeah, the other guy, 40-0, and 0, getting in there with a guy who's making his debut. I can't really wrap my head around that one. Um, <laughs> and moving over now to the last couple of bills from last weekend. One fight at the Lagoon Leisure Centre in Paisley, Scotland. Friend of the show, Frankie Gavin, picked up a TKO in round six against his opponent, Felix Malamoros, who had a record of 7-11. and 11. He's now 7-12. and 12. Frankie Gavin, 25-3. and three. We wish him the very best of luck. And the final bill to mention of last week now... Uh, over in the Rosecroft Raceway in Fort Washington, Maryland, USA. One fight to mention over there. Brother of world champion Jarrett Hurd. His brother, Justin Hurd, picked up his third career win. His record at the moment, 3-0. He picked up a TKO in round three. So all the very best to uh, to the brother of Jarrett Hurd, obviously, Justin Hurd. I think he's got a similar kind of nickname as well. So all the very best to those guys. And that really wraps up the review and part of the show. We're now going to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current IBF bantamweight world champion, Mr. Lee Haskins. Lee, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure, my friend, as always. So, Lee, we last spoke yep. just before the Stuart Hall rematch. You went on to win that fight yeah. unanimously. Um, what did you make of that fight? It seemed to be closer than the first encounter, and some people even went as far yeah, to say that Stuart worked. nicked it. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, I've watched it back. You know, and then, um, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Stuart, but yeah, I felt like I won the fight comfortably. During the rain, so I, you know, I felt like I was comfortably winning. That's why I kept doing what I was doing. Um, but apart from that, you know, obviously, come on, you know, he's a tough fighter, and he, he obviously really did want it, you know. Um, but you know, I felt like I kept my, I did go back to my corner a few times, and he said to me, uh, "Come on, come on, you need to pick up, you need to pick up." And I, I was going back out thinking, you know, well, I felt like I was controlling everything, so it felt all right, you know. Yeah, no, I think you won the fight, to be honest, on my card anyway. So, um, on yeah. to the next one, Lee. You defend your title this weekend live on Sky Sports against the undefeated Ryan Burnett. Now, Ryan Burnett is a guy yeah. that is spoken so highly of by many people in boxing. He hasn't fought anywhere near your level, but he's found himself as the favourite in the bookies as well for this one, which I found yeah, really yeah. surprising. So, firstly, Lee, yeah, what do you know, what do you know about him, and uh, how, how, how do you rate him as a boxer? Um, I, you know, I don't really know too much of him. Um, I've watched him a few. I watched a few of his fights before our fight was even announced. Um, but you know, as he was coming up, and um, you know, I thought you know he seemed a decent, decent enough fighter. He seemed good coming through. Um, but it was it's kind of hard to judge him by the opponents that he's been in there with. So um, you couldn't you couldn't really judge too much. You know, he just looked like a, a very nice boxer. And um, you know, I won that won that. Um, is up and coming, I guess. And I remember you just touched there that you you seen a couple of his fights. I remember speaking to you before the Morales fight, and you literally knew nothing about him. All you knew is that he was related to Eric Morales. You didn't know that. You know, yeah. You didn't, you've never seen him fight. You just basically said that your training team had seen a little bit of him, and that you were going to listen to them. So I just want to say, so you have watched a little bit of Ryan Burnett, then, yeah? Yeah, well, I watched him. Yeah, coming through. I um, yeah, watched a little bit of him coming through. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I want to ask you also, how has training camp been in the build-up to this one, Lee? Obviously, it's been nine months since your last defence. Not ideal, I yeah. guess. But have you made no, good use not. of the timeout? Yeah, you know, I think every every boxer sometimes needs that little break. And um, I had a few injuries as well. 
um, which I had to just let rest because they were just continually like getting worse. So um, I needed them to rest. I had a good rest, and I, and I came back fresh. And, the, and I'm not just saying this. The camp has gone absolutely uh, amazing for me, and I'm, I'm feeling, um, you know, I'm feeling in, in great shape, and I'm hitting massive, massively harder than I've ever hit before. We think, and um, you know, I'm just, I, I think. The, the thing for me now is I'm, I'm more just enjoying myself and just enjoying it more now. Yeah, so you should. You just touched on there um, a little bit about a couple of injuries. Anything seriously or just niggles? Um, you know, just niggles wearing tear, I guess, in my, in my body. That's, you know, obviously I'm getting older, so I'm starting to feel it more. And, you know, I still get these little problems in, in training sometimes. And, uh, I had him going into the fight when I fought Hall, and we were there was talks, obviously, uh, like um, you know, leaving the fight in, and uh, or pulling out and just waiting for the next one. But you know, it was, a, it was a great deal we were offered, and we believed we could win it, so we we carried on um, and we we took the fight. But um, after that, I was offered to fight in Japan, but the injuries that I had sustaining from before the Stuart Hall fight is obviously continued, and it was getting worse because I wasn't letting them rest. So we just had to pull out of the Japan fight and obviously rest. And Lee, a fight that I thought could potentially happen, obviously it's uh, you know an all-British clash you've, you've chose to take on Ryan Burnett as your voluntary. Um, I thought that there's a chance we could potentially see the Paul Butler fight. Now it looks like he's going to be fighting Jamie McDonald for his world title. Have you got any opinion McDonald, on that yeah. fight um, at all, Lee? Well, um, I think, I think um, Jamie... Uh, Jamie McDonald will will win the fight. I believe he's a very he's a very good fighter, and um, I believe if he's put sort of work in, he definitely um, he definitely win Butler. I think um, we were offered to fight Butler uh, before this fight. Um, I think Frank Warren offered us to fight. Um, we definitely agreed to it, and uh, we never got nothing back. And then this one came up, so we took this one as uh, after. And a fight that we, you know, we'd all love to see it. I'm sure that, you know, myself, everybody, including yourself, would like to see this fight. The McDonald rematch. In your heart of hearts, Lee, at this point, do you ever see that fight taking place again? Um, no, I, I, I don't ever see it taking place, to be fair. We, I've, I've, I've tried a long time to to get that fight, um, to have that fight. We've uh, we've always offered it to him, and it would have been a great fight. We were both champions, so a lot. there's a lot on the table. Um, but we did try, and um, we've we've never seemed to get anything come back from that. So it was a, it's kind of a weird one, you know. There was no yeses and there was no noes either. It was just like we 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 offered them, we 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 brought the fight up, and it was just like we were just kind of shut out of that, you know. Yeah. But, um, so we just we just yeah, so we just let it go, and you know we just are taking on one fight at a time, and whatever happens happens. And like I said, I'm just enjoying everything at the moment, so I'm not. I'm, I'm looking so forward to getting over there and just getting in there in the ring with it for this one. Yes, um, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna say something now. Actually, I was speaking to Bradley Skeet a couple of weeks back, and we were talking. And when we got off the phone, we we were talking mm. for a couple of minutes, and he basically said to me that he's a little bit frustrated with his situation because you know he's beat like Sam Eggington, and now Sam Eggington's getting you know lots of um, accolades for doing what he's been doing lately. And I said it's a similar yeah. situation to your one because the guys yeah. that you beat went on to, you know, they went on quicker than you. Yeah, you know, like. yeah, but way then before, if way you, before if me. You look at it now you're the guy who's yeah. still got the title you're the guy who's looking very solid there you know Stuart Hall he's yeah. been and gone for his world title and Jamie McDonald yeah. some people would say he's very lucky to still be champion after his recent yeah. fight so um yeah he's in a similar yeah yeah it is it's one of them it's one of them ones. sometimes this boxing can be a little bit spiteful um and sometimes you don't get the things that you deserve uh but you know I guess that's just life sometimes <laughs> we, all, we all don't get some of the things that we deserve yeah, um, go on, go on. I think um, you know it's just one of these. You just gotta, you just gotta grit your teeth in and, and continue just fighting it and, and pushing it. And it, you know, if you do keep pushing it, we will, it, you will get your chance. I remember an old Don King saying. He used to say in boxing, "You don't get what you deserve; you get what you negotiate." So, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, very true. Yeah, that's one there. That is very and good. Finally, very true. It, is, it is all about money, the sport. Yeah, I suppose so, I suppose so. Mm. Now, Lee, the final real question I've got for you, um, I, I tend to yes. ask you this pretty much all the time. Um, yeah. Really, if you've got a prediction for your fight, you can tell it to <clears> us. <throat> if not, Lee, then that's fine. Yeah, no, um, 
I don't really have a prediction, to be fair. I'm looking at they're going out there and being, you know, um, the best Liasses that could possibly be. And, um, you know, hopefully I get the, I get the win. Um, I feel absolutely confident myself in... I think this fight is 50-50 still. I think he's a great fighter. Even though I haven't seen him fight, fight anyone, I still think I think he's a very young, up-and-coming fighter. But I want to tell you, I'm, I'm absolutely ready for this one, and I, I cannot wait just to get in there. Absolutely. And just before we let you go, Lee, I just wanted to really give you an opportunity to, to send out a message to anyone, to thank anybody, to thank any sponsors, anyone at all. Yeah, well, just anybody out there really who supports me and, and, and has been there on, on my journey, um, you know, appreciate it and I thank you very much. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard enough job to do as it is. So without them guys, it would it would be a damn lot harder. Yeah, absolutely, my friend. Listen, you deserve what you get. Okay, listen, Lee. It's always a pleasure speaking yeah. with you, my friend. Thank you for your time yeah, and best you. of luck for Saturday. Yeah, thank you for calling. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But before we get into that, we usually go over to Ayaz with this week's news. But as he couldn't be here with uh, some other uh, some other plans, he's given me the latest news. So I'm going to basically just bring up a couple of topics. Um, Eddie, if you want to jump in and, and talk about anything, you'll f- you know feel free to do so. So um, there's there's one thing that's come out this week which I don't really know too much about. It's um, but we, you know, it's, it's big news, so we've got to mention it anyway. David Hay has decided to split from his trainer Shane McGuigan. Obviously, Shane McGuigan, um, he's been in the spotlight lately. He guided George Groves to a world title just the other weekend on the Kelbrook and Errol Spence undercard. So, uh, yeah, David Hay has split from Shane McGuigan. I'm not really sure why. Um, you know, David Hay, it's very, very hard to kind of read why he does a lot of stuff, even though I'm a big fan of his. And um, I'm sure Eddie is too. <laughs> That's one of my favorites all time. No. <laughs> yeah, no, um, no. David Hay, you know, he's he's a little bit elusive with with the truth. So I'm not too sure what's going on, but it seems like a mutual, um, you know, a mutual decision to not train with each other anymore. Um, I'm not sure what he's going to do or who his trainer's going to be. Some people are rumoring that there could be something going on stateside, perhaps linking up with a US trainer. I can't really see that at this point in David Hayes' career. Um, you know, I don't think the dedication's there to go and train with someone overseas, and I just don't see that happening. But I wouldn't be surprised if he linked back up with Adam Booth. That would surprise a lot of people. But for me, I think that that could potentially happen. Um, a pro debut soon to happen, I think it's on July the 1st, but firstly, the signing is uh, is something we need to bring up, Matchroom Boxing, Eddie Hearn's Matchroom Boxing have signed the Olympic bronze medalist from 2016, Joshua Boazzi, now Joshua Boazzi actually grew up on the same estate as me, so I've known him for quite a few years, but he now turns pro, which is going to be very exciting, he did really well in the Olympics, and um He's, he's a student of the game. He's a man that really, you know, listens to some of these experienced fighters. I remember seeing Andre Ward speak over here earlier this year, and he was at the very front paying attention to every word, every leg movement, every hand movement that uh, that, that that Andre Ward did. And uh, he's a guy that, you know, has definitely, definitely got a bright future. We wish him all the very best. Um, Golovkin and Canelo's fight is has been confirmed to happen in the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. So, uh... Not really huge news there, but it's definitely a huge, huge fight. We're looking forward to that. It's come out that George Groves has suffered a broken jaw during his fight against Chudinov, where he won the world title that we just mentioned a moment ago. I'm not sure if that was in the first round. I think it was in the first round. He didn't even know. I think he had like a regular checkup in the hospital, and they said that he's got a broken jaw. So, uh, yeah, that definitely says a lot about a guy who walks around with a broken jaw without even realizing it. I'm sure it couldn't have been too, you know, it couldn't have been broken too bad, but um, yeah, nonetheless. And a big fight, Eddie, that I want to come over to you for: Adrian Broner against Mikey Garcia. Huge fight. Oh, yeah. That is huge. Yeah, that is a huge fight. And it's in a situation where I look at Adrian Broner, he's he's a really talented fighter. You know what I mean? Got a lot of different, uh, you know, uh, abilities. He's athletic. You know, he's got talent. He's just, he's there. It's there. But his head, man, it's really hard to believe that he can be able to step in there with a guy that's as dedicated as Mikey Garcia with the ability that he has. Mikey Garcia is one of the better fighters and, you know, more talented guys out there in boxing right now today. So 
it's going to be one of those things where Adrian Broner's going to have to be able to step up one million percent better than he has done recently, uh, and 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 really prove that he he belongs. You know, just well, let's just say belong. He he does belong in the conversation of elites, but stay in that conversation because we've seen it before where guys, you know, they start to fade and. You know, the fame starts to get to them super to the point where they can't handle it anymore. And all they're thinking about is, you know, everything outside of boxing and not enough about staying the course. You know, he really wants to be like Floyd Mayweather. He still he wants to follow so much of what Floyd has done. What he's lacking is the dedication that Floyd had. Floyd is one of the most dedicated <coughs> athletes in sports, let alone boxing. And we're talking about history as well. He's very dedicated. That's why he's been on top for so long. And if he wants to emulate him, he needs to start there. And I think that's the biggest thing, and that's going to be the biggest test for him in his fight. Next to that, obviously, dealing with Mikey Garcia's skill. So he has two demons to deal with. <laughs> you know, I mean, one, and, and honestly, Mikey Garcia himself might be too much. Yeah, I think it's a really, really good fight. Um, first and foremost, <laughs> it is at 140, which I think, you know, I think that's, that's a pretty important thing. Firstly, I think that. I don't know, it's hard to say, Eddie. Who would you say has got the advantage, if anybody, at the fact he's at 140? Because obviously we've seen, um, you know, Adrian Broner go up in weight. His last fight, for example, when he took on that guy, Adrian Granados, um, that was a really close fight. He won that fight on a split decision. That was at 147. The fight before that, where he fought Ashley Fiafane, that was obviously that was in april of 2016 so it's it's really and he actually came in just over the weight for that and i think that was maybe why the belt was on the line if i remember correctly it was it was it was vacant it was a vacant title um he got stripped didn't he because he didn't make the weight so he actually right. has not been even though he was only about half a pound over he actually hasn't made the weight and come in under 140 since october 2015 and yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie i'm looking at that right now because I, I can't believe I'm reading that that's that's a long long time um, obviously you know Mikey Garcia kind of being at 135 140 he's, he's actually kept his weight exactly the same as what it was in all the time he was out of the ring so I think he's done really well with that but the fact that he's still at 140 I'd actually say that that would probably favour Mikey Garcia but it depends on how hard um, Adrian Broner's been training for this one because as you said the dedication has been the problem before yeah, that's the question. I mean, I think, I think Mikey Garcia, like I said, is one of the better fighters in boxing right now. So, to get out there, I mean, I I believe Adrian Broner is going to look at this and say, "Look, man, this is an opportunity for me to get back to you know being a real elite." Because if he beats Mikey Garcia, that's saying a whole lot. Because Mikey Garcia has done really well for himself. You know, even after looking at his that layoff he had for you know with the uh, with the issues he's had uh, outside of the ring, um, he still looks as good now as he did before. So, you know, with that being said, Adrian Broner has a, a statement to make here. If he's gonna if he's gonna be talked about as elite, if he's gonna be saying, well, you know, I'm I'm A B and I can you know I'm this and I'm that, I'm right next to Floyd. He's gonna have the opportunity in this fight to prove that. Because Mikey Garcia definitely is coming 100% at his neck. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? He's going to have to be ready for it. And I think what's going to shock him is the, is uh, Garcia's ability, you know, in the fight. His skill level on top of, you know, just being a tough, he happens to be a Mexican guy, but to be a tough guy. You know what I mean? He, he's, also, he's also very, very skilled. You know what I mean? So he's going to have to deal with a lot. I'm going to put you on the spot, Eddie. Who wins that fight? Right now, and, I mean, without a question, I got his, I'm looking at Mikey Garcia win the fight. I mean, I'm just, I feel like Adrian Broner has the, the ability to beat anyone, but I feel like Adrian Broner's head sometimes gets in the way. It's, it's crazy I'm saying that, but his, his, head, his head, you know, being sometimes a little too swollen, gets in the way of what his abilities are. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and he, you know, it's, it's like the, you know, the audacity of these dudes to think that they can beat me. <laughs> like, dude, they wouldn't be getting in the ring with you if they didn't think they could beat you. You know what I mean? It's like when I watch him fight, uh, uh, man, what's my man's name? He's been out for a while. His first loss. Um, um, Maidana. Maidana. Marcos Maidana. 
the way he fought him was an arrogant way. And that's why he ended up losing the fight. He got knocked down twice. He was hurt several times in the fight. And it's like, yo, respect the respect the game. You know what I mean? Get in there. Yeah, have your confidence, but you got to respect it. You know, when Floyd got in there and fought McDonough, he put that other hand up. You know what I'm saying? He wanted John to shoulder roll everything in there with him, knowing this guy's going to throw punches at every part of his body. You understand what I'm saying? So, like I said, you got to respect the game and you got to be able to make adjustments. That's one thing that I haven't seen him do like Floyd. You know what I mean? So, with that being said, I'm still looking for Mikey to win. I feel like he can win. I have a, a, you know, a, a relationship with um, you know his camp and, and, and the people that you know him. And I've met him. He's a nice guy. You know, I feel like he's a, a good ambassador, of, well, definitely a great ambassador for the, for, the, for the sport of boxing. And we need more like him. But at the same time, he can fight. And I think that's what's going to hold, that, hold, um, hold Adrian off. It's not going to be that he's a good guy. It's going to be his abilities in the ring. Yeah, and we have to bear in, in, in mind there, you just talked about his first loss to Marcos Maidana. It's also yeah. the um, the same trainer, of course, the brother of uh, Mikey Garcia, which is Robert Garcia, right. former world champion in his own right. He was the man that yeah. was in the corner for Maidana. He's going to be the man that's in the corner for Mikey. So, you know, as much as you know, a trainer can't get in there and obviously fight for you, but he's a very good trainer, very underrated trainer as well. So, um I think that that could potentially play a factor, but I just think that you know you can't really compare Maidana and and um, Mikey Garcia to each other because no. I think that they're they're both completely different. But what I will say is, uh, Mikey's so much sharper, so much more accurate, doesn't waste shots. He's got so much more skill. The only thing that I think uh, Marcos Maidana has over him is probably just the ruggedness, the toughness, and obviously the power. He's got a lot of power, uh, Maidana. Right. So. Um, but then again, so is Mikey. Mikey's got some power as well. I think for me, I think that oh, it's a bit, it's a bit, um, it's a bit hard so, to commit to a to a to an outcome of how the fight's going to end. But I think Mikey definitely wins. I think he's. I don't want to say it's a mismatch, but I think Mikey's so good. He's actually, I'd say he's in my top ten pound for pound. But I tell you what, and I'm yeah, sure you won't disagree fair. with this. I'm, I'm sure you won't disagree with this, Eddie. Whoever wins yeah. this fight definitely is in the top ten pound for pound. Oh, without a question. I feel like Mikey's probably there right now. Yeah. It's just, it's, I mean, it's just like, you know, he just needs that win, that victory. Yeah. And that's like I said, if Adrian comes to fight, now we already know what he's capable of. He's just he's very skilled. And remember, this is at 140, so he has all that in the tank. It's just will he be able to deal with what Mikey's bringing and will he be focused? You know what I'm saying? I feel like it's a, it's, I don't want to say a foregone conclusion because this is boxing, anything can happen. But I feel like Mikey is on a real rise right now. So I feel like he's going to be the one to come out on top in that. But, hey, look, whoever wins, or like you said, definitely top 10 pound per pound, probably, you know, close to that top top five. You know what I mean? It's that close. Yeah. Now, it should be a brilliant fight. And, you know, on the flip side, if Adrian Broner can win this fight, that's absolutely huge as well. So definitely a real mouth-watering fight there. And the final piece of news from this week, uh, this week's action, really, this week's hot topics, it's been rumoured, it's not been confirmed yet, but it's been rumoured that Chris Eubank Jr. will be taking on Arthur Abraham. Now, a lot of people are very frustrated with Chris Eubank Jr. saying that he doesn't really fight anybody. He keeps cherry-picking opponents. He's he's running from Golovkin. He's running from Billy Joe Saunders and all this. Um, Arthur Abraham's a really good fighter. He's, he's, you know, let's all be honest. He is, he's not as good as what he was, but he's a real tough, tough guy. He's only been stopped the once, and he's a guy that will give it his all. So uh, this is a really, really good fight. I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be, you know, it's probably, it's, it's it's potentially the best time to catch Arthur Abraham right now, but if 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 Chris Eubank Jr. can do something like stop him, I think it sends out a real big statement in the super middleweight division. And um, obviously, he's not really been tested at super middleweight. He's only had the one fight there against that guy, uh, Reynold Quinlan, which was like you know the guy was eleven and two or whatever. So this is a real real stern test, and I think it's gonna you know it's gonna really tell us a lot. But Arthur Abraham can fight even at this age. So uh, all the very best to Chris Eubank Jr. in that one. And starting now with the previewing, we're going to try to whiz through the previewing for this week. We're going to start with a card happening over in Norway. 
The only reason that a fight card is happening over in Norway is because the biggest female in the female side of the sport is fighting in Norway. It's in her hometown. It is, of course, Cecilia Baracus. She has a record of 30-0. and 0. She takes on Erika Annabella Farias, who has a record of 24-1. and 1. So that looks like... It could be potentially a really good fight. The WBC, WBA, IBF, WBO and IBO world titles are all on the line. And they're all Cecilia Baracus's belts. Obviously, she is being trained by a um, friend of the show, friend of mine, friend of yours, actually, Eddie, Jonathan Banks. So uh, we wish yeah. them the very best of luck, of course. Mm-hmm. She got quite a collection of belts, man. <laughs> Jesus. I'm, I'm really... Yeah, she's she's the number one pound for pound fighter in in women's boxing. That's uh that's that's official. She's uh she's really good. Moving over now to the Turning Stone Resort and Casino over in New York, USA. One fight to mention on this bill. Two undefeated prospects are getting it on. We don't really see that too often. It only really happens when guys are like 5-0, and 6-0, and 7-0. These two guys have got a lot to lose here. One man, 23-0. and That's Joel Diaz Jr. He's fighting against Regis Progre, who has a record of 19-0. and Progre is 19-0 with 16 knockouts. Joel Diaz Jr., I think, has got 19 knockouts in 23 fights. So both guys can really bang. Both guys, as I said, undefeated young guys on the come-up. And it's for the NABF super lightweight title. And Pro Gray is the champion. But I think it's been set up for Joel Diaz Jr. to win. But hey, what a fantastic fight. We really do like to see two guys like that get in together. And we wish the very best in that fight to both men. May the best man win. Moving over now to South Africa. One fight to mention over here. Um, It's for the vacant African Boxing Union cruiserweight title. It is... Fabiso Machunu. I don't think we can mention his name on this show, Eddie, actually, can we? <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> I harbor no ill will against him. I just want to kill him. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you know what? I, I feel like he's a he's a really talented young fighter. You know, I mean caught me on a good uh, caught me at a good time. You know what I mean? Just really getting uh, you know, acclimated to what well, actually never really getting acclimated to anything that was going on in that division because First time I got in there, I see him. And, um, you know, he's not the kind of guy you – it's not the kind of first – it's like a it's like a guy having a pro, a pro debut with a 40-0 guy. You know what I'm saying? You don't think you, – you don't want to come into a situation like that not being prepared. You know what I mean? And I feel like I wasn't prepared to deal with what he had brought to the table that night, and that's why he got that win. His record at the moment, 17-3. and three. He takes on Johnny Muller, who really doesn't sound like an African name, but he's got a record of 20-7 and seven with two draws. Um, usually, we, we like to wish luck to the home fighter, but we're not going to here. And I think uh, the circumstances are pretty fair. We've got Eddie Chambers on the line. We're not going to disrespect a man like that. Right, moving over now to the Odyssey Arena in Belfast, Northern Ireland. We're going to start with the top of the bill. We spoke to him earlier. We're going to wish him all the very best, of course. Mr. Lee Haskins, his record 34-3. and He puts his IBF World Bantamweight title on the line against the up-and-coming youngster, Ryan Burnett. Ryan Burnett, 16-0. and Um... Lee Haskins obviously being a southpaw, I think that could potentially uh, cause a lot of problems for Ryan Burnett. However, Ryan Burnett is a guy that many people in the boxing world who really know what they're talking about, those guys on the inside, they say that he's very, very, very talented and we have not seen the best of him. Obviously, it's um, you know it's a quote that hasn't been taken out of context when Adam Booth literally said that He's the most talented fighter he's ever had in terms of natural talent, and that's including David Hay, George Groves, all the rest of the guys that have been world champions or are current world champions. So uh, that's really saying a lot against a young guy there, um, only 16-0, and 0, as I said, at the moment, and it's a voluntary defense for Lee Haskins. But we spoke about the fight with Lee a little bit earlier. We wish him all the very best, as I said, but it's going to be a real, real good fight. Ryan Burnett going in as the favorite as well. So, yeah, very, 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 very good luck. We're going to wish to Lee Haskins. Moving down the undercard, there's not too much on, but I'm going to mention one other fight. Ian Timms, his record 13-3. and three. He takes on Luke Watkins, 
10-0. This one's for the vacant Irish Cruiserweight title. Luke Watkins obviously being trained by Paddy Fitzpatrick, so we're going to wish him all the very best of luck as well. Also on this bill, a man that is supposed to be on this bill, but again, he's supposed to have been on many, many other bills in Ireland. We don't know if he's actually going to be fighting or not, but I tell you what, I've seen some pictures of him lately. Eddie, have you seen the shape of Mike Perez? Have you, you know the, the Cuban guy? Have you seen the shape yeah. of him? No, no, no. I haven't seen, Man, I haven't seen him. Right. What would you describe his body like before when you last saw him he was a heavyweight he's a bit fat right yeah a little thick you know what i mean thicker than maybe he needs to be he's a fat guy he's a fat guy let's be honest he i'm gonna send you the picture after this show he okay. has moved down to cruiserweight yeah which you probably can't even imagine he is wow. ripped to shreds he looks unreal he looks like some kind of wwe wrestler he's Are absolutely you... ripped yeah man I'm not even sure how tall he is. He's um, he's about six two from that. If I'm not mistaken, I can't, I can't, I can't be hundred percent sure. But I think he's about six two from what I heard. Six one, six two. Okay, so he seems to be a, a decent weight going down. But I thought he was a bit taller than that. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, he looks. I'm going to show you the picture. He looks absolutely ripped. Like I cannot mm-hmm. believe it. So uh, yeah, he's he's been over in Ireland for quite a while. But he's supposed to be in a six rounder this weekend. I'm not sure if it's going to happen. He's supposed to have been on about six or seven different bills over the last few months. None of them have seemed to have seemed to come to fruition. He was supposed to be taking on a man by the name of Tommy McCarthy. I think that fight's no longer happening. His opponent at the moment yet to be announced and now moving over to the final bill of the preview part we tried to whisper it as quick as we could we're going to start or we're going to finish i should say with a card over in the pioneer event center in lancaster california one fight to mention over here this one is happening this sunday it's a man that we had on the show last week brandon rios he returns to the ring after a long, long layoff. I think it's about 19 months out of the ring. Brandon Rios, 33-3 and three with one draw. He's in a 10-rounder at welterweight against Aaron Herrera. Aaron Herrera with a record of 32-6 and six with one draw. We spoke all about that fight and many more things, actually. Brandon Rios actually told us about the time he was sparring Justin Bieber. So go and listen to last week's show if you want a little glimpse of that. And also on the undercard, Mario Barrios. He gets out again a Prospect looking very good at the moment. His record 18 and 0. I think he's got 10 knockouts as well. He's looking really good. He's in a 10 rounder at super lightweight, which is 140, of course, against a man by the name of Jose Luis Rodriguez, who has a record of 21 and 9. And that really wraps up the previewing. We've done the reviewing. We've done the previewing. We did the news, which I actually had to do myself this week, obviously, without Ayaz Sumra. We also spoke to Lee Haskins earlier on in the show. Before we welcome guest number two which will be the final guest of the show there's one last thing to do before we do that and that of course is to say goodbye to my friend and co-host this week mr eddie chambers eddie once again thank you very much for coming on and filling eyes shoes it's always a pleasure having you on just to speak to you in general so as i say thank you very much for that no problem man it was enjoyable you know i like talking and talking boxing too you know talking first but then boxing next you <laughs> know <laughs> And it's like I said, it's always good to talk to you, you know, so I I appreciate it. I hope to do it again soon. Absolutely, my friend. You're welcome any time you like. Right, now it's time to welcome, as I said, guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA heavyweight world champion, Mr. Lucas Brown. Lucas, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. Hey, it's my pleasure, Lucas. It truly is. So, Lucas, you returned to the ring last weekend, and I'm going to get onto that in a moment. I want to go back to that night in Chechnya, the 5th of March 2016, a night you'll fondly remember for the rest of your life, no doubt. I remember watching it on Box Nation here in the UK at the time. I remember fist pumping when you stopped Shagayev in round 10 of that fight. Lucas, tell us what you can remember from that memorable night for yourself over in Chechnya. Yeah, well, for me, uh, definitely memorable. Um, it was supposed to be yeah, one of the best nights of my life, obviously, uh, within my boxing career. But uh, is, is going to be forever tainted, unfortunately, after what sort of transpired afterwards. But um, for the actual fight itself, it was an unbelievable experience. Uh, I'm, I'm very thankful it happened. I'm very glad and uh, happy that I was there and, and got treated like a king by the Chechnyan people. The fight itself was a, a great Rocky sort of story, um, and I come out on top, which is always the best thing about it. And I want to touch on 
you know some of the events as you just mentioned there that 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 happened after that fight it was reported that two months after winning the title you supposedly failed a drugs test and was thereby stripped of the world title first things first let me understand this situation a little bit better in the build-up to the world title fight surely there were drugs tests that you would have passed right yeah the the actual drugs test that they took for me was three days before the actual fight and that was in Chechnya. So it was both a blood and urine sample um, and completely passed with flying colours. So the test that you supposedly failed was two months after winning the title. So surely that would, again, as you just said there, the other one being just three days before the fight, surely that would indicate that you didn't win the world title whilst you know having some kind of unfair advantage. That's correct, yeah. Um, it was supposedly the, uh, the post-fight urine sample that I failed. That was the supposed uh, one that I failed. Right, I see, I see. And the the ruling was, um, you know, it was given two months after and then it was it was overturned in September. Um, do you know the reason behind that being overturned? Basically, um, anyone who has half a brain could see that I didn't take anything and it was actually quite stupid to be on clenbuterol for, the, for a world title fight. Like, uh, I've obviously done a lot of research um after the fight and to be on clenbuterol itself is very silly because it, it, it makes your heart go faster it gives you um the shapes and all these sort of things so for a 12 round world title fight that would be the last thing on my mind to be taking um but basically through i did a lie detector test i had a hair follicle sample test done and that also proved that it was one minor little sample in my bloodstream and there was nothing in it for months prior so all systems go in terms of like I just wasn't on it. I wasn't. I was never on clenbuterol in any stage whatsoever, um, leading up to the fight, three months, three four months from prior. So for me to take it there would be silly, and everyone saw that. So I was cleared, but not actually given the title back. And then obviously it was well, it came out that you apparently then uh, found another test in November. Um, have I got that right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. Now that one was my fault. Basically, it was a uh, a shop bought pre workout. I just went to the local supplement store, bought a pre workout. All the labels said there was nothing bad on it, but um, apparently there's a 15% proprietary blend, which means they can put whatever they want in it. Now, at some point, um, there's there's something in that that was on the band's list, and I got done for that as well. So that was my fault. I, I completely take uh, credit for that one. But, um, again, it wasn't as if I was trying to be a drugs cheat at the same time, which I keep getting called. Yeah, no, I understand that. So you were yeah. obviously made, you were made to serve a ban. It was, was it just a six-month ban? Uh, the, unfortunately, this is the problem. I, I waited for about, I think it was about four months, and there was still no ruling of any sort by any governing bodies. Um, it was then once we pressed the WBC, who was doing the actual testing, they gave me nine months uh, dated back to the test, which is now, um, that's up in June, that, uh, that nine months is up. And the WBA gave me two years, but dated back to the Chechnyan fight, which absolutely makes no sense whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, I'm still in limbo in regards to WBA, but everything else I'm clear to fight. Wow, what a seriously uh, unique and pretty strange situation. But um, no, again, yeah. we're you know we're we're happy to of course have you back now. Um, so obviously, you know, as 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 we know, you've you've protested your innocence the whole time. Uh, if you're yep. being genuinely honest that you didn't take anything, you were completely clean. Do you feel that the sanctioning body or various officials conspired to make this happen at all? Um, do I don't believe in mistake. Um, I don't think it was the uh, like the WBA, the sanctioning bodies themselves. I think being in Chechnya, um, obviously, you know, hashtag Russia as well. Um, I think something was was definitely wrong there. Um, yeah, the president was his best friend, and it's not exactly um, it, not everything's not exactly above board in the country. So I definitely put it on them in particular, but not the actual sanctioning bodies, no. I, I blame the sanctioning bodies for not doing anything um, about the uh, the sixth round when I got knocked down. That that went 15 seconds longer. And the next round, round seven, went uh, 45 seconds shorter. 
So that's something the WBA should have been on top of. Um, and actually clearing me and reinstating me into the WBA um, as, as the title holder, that's the WBA's fault, not, not anyone else's. Yeah, I have to agree with that. So for this to, to happen to you and all these allegations, you know, these, these horrible names and, and all sorts of things that you've been called ever since then, has it made you fall out of love with boxing at all, Lucas? Uh, I think boxing itself has, has shown its ugly head, unfortunately. Um, I'm sure anyone who's actually fully involved in boxing would know that anyway. It's all about money and politics. The, the art of boxing and, and me wanting to punch people in the face is still there, which is good, and there's still lots of money to be made. So I'm 38 years old now. I don't have a long time to go, but I, I, I'm still fresh in regards to be, being beat around the head. I have, I've had no amateur experience. Um, so I'm re relatively fresh. Uh, I still have all my power. I still have all my athleticism, everything else. So for me, there's still a good five years left to me to make some money and then get out. Yeah, good for you, my friend. So on to brighter things. You returned to the ring on the weekend against Matthew Greer, a man that's also shared the ring with Deontay Wilder, Huey Fury, quite a few other names. Um, you made light work of him. I managed to find a link, so I was able to watch the fight. What did you make of your performance, Lucas? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. it. It is what it is. Um, he was there to do a job, and I think, personally, I got everything out of it that I needed for the time. Um, I don't have any rankings. I was stripped of all rankings and everything as well. I've been act inactive for over a year. So, for me, it was a nice warm-up fight. It was just to get back into the ring, get in amongst it, show the world that I am back, and now try and move on to bigger and better things. Did you feel ring rusty at all? Uh Sort of. It was a, uh, a little bit different experience. I think I had more anxiety for this fight than I did the my world title fight in Chechnya. Just for the fact that it, um, I, I have been through a lot over the last year um, and I haven't had a fight in over a year. So I think it was just more anxiety for me to get back in amongst it. Um, but I, I felt good. Once you know, 30 seconds had passed, I think I was well and truly back into the mix of it and I, I really sort of I felt at home again. And back to what I asked you a minute ago about falling out of love with the game potentially. In your long time out of the ring, Lucas, did you take long breaks from the gym at all? Or were you, you know, were actually, you there making uh, good use of that time? Yeah, I, I, I realised that um, it was all going to end at some point and I needed to get straight back into it. So for me, I still trained six days a week, um, but only the one one like training session per day. It wasn't like a camp, so to speak, but... This is my full-time job. I consider myself a full-time boxer. So I still train once a day for six days a week, yeah. And how many fights, Lucas? I know that this potentially may not be all up to you because, you know, you've got to be ranked and, and all the rest of it. But how many fights do you feel you'll need before you'll be ready to step back in at that top level? I'm in a, I'm in a unique situation where, um, although I may not be the greatest boxer on the, in, in the heavyweight division at the moment, I still am one of the hardest hitting. So I, I really pose quite a great threat to anyone who I, um, I come up against. So I, I could be losing 11 rounds and still knock you out in the 12th and win the fight. So I think for me, I can be in top 10 in all four sanctioning bodies, but still not get a world title fight because people won't want to choose me in particular because I, I, I am that little bit too dangerous. So I think I might have to sort of work it up to be somewhere near a mandatory position. So I'm realistically looking at sort of five, maybe six fights again. Okay, fair enough. It's, uh, it's yeah. an unfortunate situation, as you say, but it definitely is a unique one. And have you got any idea when you're next out, Lucas, when you're next fighting? Uh, unfortunately, that's another situation I'm involved in with, um, with Ricky Hatton being my promoter. My uh, my contract was up in April with him. Now, because I had the obvious inactivity at the um, the part where I was banned, he asked if he could extend the contract. Now, I was willing with that. that there's no problems. I was assuming it was going to be maybe six months, something like that. But uh, he's now pushing for a year and a half uh, extended contract. So for me, I don't, I don't want to be uh, we, I don't want to be stuck in another contract with Ricky for another year and a half. It's already been five years. I want to go do my own thing. Uh, so it's now going through the lawyers and everything else as to what's happening next. So I've got many plans for many fights, but unfortunately it still lingers in, in what Hatton wants at the moment. Okay, fair enough. You're going to like this one, Lucas. I want to ask you this. Who would you say are your top five most annoying heavyweights right now? 
I'd have to put Dante Wilder at number one, um, just because he hits like a mule, and I respect that. But he has no boxing ability whatsoever, um, and he continuously goes against people who aren't going to hit him back properly. Uh, so he looks like the best boxer in the world, but really isn't. So he'd, he'd be number one. Um, I'd have to put um, Dill- Dillian White as number two, just because he's got a big mouth, and I, I don't like smart-ass mouth people. <laughs> um, other than that, I, I honestly really get along with a lot of with every other boxer. I, I talk regularly with a lot of boxers, David Hay, even Shannon Briggs. Although there was a lot of talk on social media, we actually talk uh, off off social media and and we're all great great people great friends and we we just yeah the love of boxing so i'd have to say only those two at this point fair enough i was expecting when you said someone anyone other than dillian white as number one i really was pretty surprised then i was waiting for him coming (laughs) in at number two there um lucas who would you like to fight i know again as you said you're not in the best um, ideal situation at the moment in terms of you know contractual and, and stuff like that but who would you like to fight realistically out of all the guys in the heavyweight division, as you said, you may not be able to just jump straight in at the top level. You're going to need to work yourself up. Who would you like to fight, perhaps on that, you know, on that level, a little bit back from that, like perhaps a Dillian White, someone like that? Yes, uh, 100% a Dillian White. I think um, he needs to get his mouth shut, and I'd love to be the one to do that. And over in the UK as well, um, I've had, I've copped a lot of flack over social media. Um, from the UK and I would love to come over and bash all the fighters in the UK that would be something I'd, I'd really love to do um, but yes yeah, someone like Dylan White then you've got Chisora for example he still holds a, a good name um, Dominic Brazil uh, people like that even Spilka Arthur Spilka um, yeah very very good people but not quite at the top at this moment so that, they're definitely someone I'll be looking at Okie dokie. And did you manage to catch... I'm sure you did manage to catch it. Did you manage to catch the uh, the Anthony Joshua Klitschko fight? If so, what did you think of that one? I did 100%. Um, that's something uh, I, I definitely watch. I don't watch any other fights by the, um, by the heavyweights, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, I, I, I think, personally, Klitschko could have won the fight uh, on two separate occasions. But uh, he didn't... He, he lacked that killer instinct. I think that um, when... Klitschko got knocked down. Anthony Joshua uh, punched himself out. And at that point, I think that uh, Klitschko, if he had the the killer instinct, he'd be able to come in and finish him off, but he didn't. And then when also um, Anthony Joshua got knocked down by Klitschko, Klitschko didn't finish him off. So I think uh, it was more Klitschko giving it to Anthony Joshua rather than Anthony Joshua winning. Either way, it was still a great fight. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with that 100%. Um, also, a fight that was going to happen, but it looks like it's now escaped us, but I'm not quite sure what's happening with mandatories and all that. But a man that apparently this week you said that you wanted to fight, but I, I didn't actually hear you say it, so I, I'm not going to say if that was 100% true or not. But Joseph Parker was supposed to take on Huey Fury. That's a, quite an interesting fight. Um, I know that you you know both guys pretty well. What, what, what do you think that fight would have come down to if, if they were to have got it on? Who do you reckon would have um, emerged the victor there? Uh, I, I, for me, that was a 50-50. I, I like Joseph Parker. I think he's a great young heavyweight um, and a great um, you know, person for the sport. Um, and Huey Fury would have fought long and fought like from distance. So basically, for, from, from my point of view, um, that would have been like a, a very much a 50-50. Yeah, no, I think it would have been a good fight. So, is is Parker a man that's on your radar then, Lucas? Or yeah, hundred percent. I'd I'd really like to. I'd really love to fight Parker. I think it's good for yeah the whole Australia New Zealand thing. Um, I think for the fact that he's got a lot of holes as well. He's only young, um, and I think I'd be able to exploit that. I, I think my power would be too much for him. And much like Anthony Joshua, I don't think he can fight off the back foot. So if you put some pressure on him. He won't. Uh, he won't fight as well coming off the back foot. Okie dokie. And finally, Lucas, just before I let you go, I wanted to give you an opportunity to send a message to your UK fans. I know that you said that you've said on numerous occasions that the UK fans always give you the most abuse on social media, but there are a lot of fans out here that do genuinely like you, do genuinely support you. What is your message to those guys, Lucas? Uh, with, without a doubt, I think people have got me um, got, got me misunderstood with that. Like, I 100%, I probably have more 
fans in the UK than I do here in Australia, just obviously because there, there, are, there is more people involved in boxing and, and like boxing uh, in the UK than Australia. So 100%, I'm, I'm very, very thankful and very humbled by the respect and the, the fans that I have over in the UK. So thank you for that. But it is the fact that I do get 95%, 95% of my abuse does actually come from the UK. So, um, yeah, I, I really want to sort of prove myself to those people. Um, at the same time, I do have a massive fan base and I'm very thankful. Absolutely. Okay, listen, Lucas, it's been a pleasure having you on this week's show. Congrats once again on your win. Thank you for giving us some of your time and we'll no doubt catch up very soon. 100%, mate. Thank you very much for having me on and uh, I look forward to coming over there soon and, and showing what I've got. Okay, this wraps up what has been episode 86 of the Box Hard podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. A big shout out to my close friend and this week's co-host, Eddie Chambers. Whilst we've been recording this show, it's been revealed that the IBF have given Anthony Joshua an exemption, which will now mean that he... You know, if he decides to give Vladimir Klitschko a rematch, they will not strip him of his title. Something they did not let Tyson Fury do in the exact same situation. I think that is pretty outrageous, to be honest. I uh, I don't really want to go down the road of talking all about the mistreatment that Tyson Fury has been served up over the past couple of years. But also bear in mind that when Tyson hit the drugs, he would have been stripped at that moment regardless. So we do have to bear that in mind. But still a pretty pathetic ruling from the IBF here, who a few weeks ago came out and said that they would strip Joshua, providing he gave Vladimir a rematch. Aye, aye, aye. A big thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the former WBA World Heavyweight Champion, Mr. Lucas Brown, and the current IBF Bantamweight Champion, Mr. Lee Haskins. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. It's been a pleasure making it for you. As always, we'll be back next week with another big show. Until then, take care.